Proverbs 16.9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. In our journey through the book of Esther, we're beginning to see how this truth from Proverbs was realized in the life of Haman. So while you find your place in Esther chapter 6, Greg and I have an update on a rather new ministry for Through the Bible. Yeah, Steve, it's always so exciting to look back at a decision that we made a few years ago. And when I say we, I mean you, me, the board, all of the people praying. If you're on the World Prayer Team, you're praying that God will open doors. And we get to say yes, and then we get to look back and realize, oh my goodness, the Lord gave us an opportunity to open a door of ministry to people that didn't have through the Bible before. Yeah, it is so exciting to see yeah. when that happens. And so that today, that's what we want to talk about. And it's the, the language is called Igbo, and it's part of our prayer focus as the world prayer team is traveling through Western Africa. Today, we're stopping in Nigeria, and we already had ministry in Hausa and Yoruba for Nigeria for more than two decades. But yeah, and don't miss that. Yeah. More than two decades, we've been in Yoruba and Hausa. Yeah. In those languages and the commitment and the fruit that we've seen from there is is tremendous. Yeah. So I think we want to celebrate both the longevity of how our our supporting and listening and praying family lets us have the ability to support something for more than 20 years and then launch it new yeah. in 2019. Uh, the Igbo people are an ethnic group who make up about 15 percent of the population of Nigeria, which is Africa's most populous country, a very diverse country, 544 people groups. Uh, and it's divided predominantly Muslim in the north, Christians in the south. So this is an important ministry. Yeah, and here's some letters that we get from uh, the Igbo Bible Bus. <laughs> I love that. Your daily messages bring revival and restoration to my far-wandering soul. I did not know there were still people who teach the sound word of God. I have been following the teachings from the book of Numbers, and I am very much blessed. May God bless you all. Wonderful. And, Steve, we often like to talk to our listening family about the fact that people around the world have the same issues and challenges and problems that we do. It doesn't matter what language you you speak. And this, this letter addresses that. Mm. My marriage was going through some difficulties until my wife and I agreed to begin listening to the Through the Bible teachings together. To God and Him alone be all the glory. Now it seems the oil of love has been poured on our marriage again. <laughs> oh, that so, old oil of love. I, I think How we wonderful. need a bumper sticker. If your marriage needs oil of love, listen to Through <laughs> the Bible. TTB.org is your place to go, my friend. <laughs> That's cool. Here's another one. This is, since last year, when I tuned for the first time, my family has not missed the program since that day. We enjoy it. It is a blessing to us. We would not be able to understand the Word of God clearly on our own, but the program gives us step-by-step -step exposition of the Word. Don't miss that. This is what the heart of Through the Bible is about. So many people all around the world have the Bible already, yes. but not as many people understand the Word of God. And Dr. McGee, in his wonderful way through the power of the Holy Spirit, then translate, getting it translating into all these different languages helps people to understand and engage yes. with scripture directly. Yeah. And we hear, we hear things like systematic. We yes. hear things like context. Remember when we were in Uganda, how many times people said we got the historical background of the book. Yeah. These are things we take for granted. Yeah. But, but, uh, we are feeding literally starving people spiritually by giving yeah. them this great teaching. Yeah. Such an encouragement. And I hope you're encouraged by that as well. And we would love for you to help us 
get the word out by joining our world prayer team. Just go to ttb.org forward slash pray. You can pray for the Hausa language, Igbo, all the other languages as we travel around the world on our knees. Greg, we're out of time. Could you pray for us as we begin our study? Father, we rejoice that you are doing amazing things through the simple proclamation and teaching of your word. And we trust you to continue to reach people, transform lives, heal marriages, do all of those things through your word for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study in Esther chapter 6 on Through the Bible. Now we left off last time in the book of Esther in a very strategic place. This man, the king, Xerxes, couldn't sleep at night. And they called for the records of the kingdom to be read. And it was found in there that Mordecai had rendered a valuable service to the king, but had not been rewarded. And as a result, why, the king now feels like that he ought to do something. And at that very moment, Haman makes his entrance in to see the king early in the morning, and his request was going to be to have this man Mordecai hanged. He'd already built a gallows for it. And so this is a very strategic moment, by the way. It reveals the fact that God, by his providence, is moving. And so the king asks the question of Haman, says, what ought to be done to the man that the king delights to honor. And this man Haman said, well, I can't think of anybody he would want to honor more than myself. And it's rather conceited fellow, I would think, but actually there was a basis for it. And so he lays out a program. And I pick up reading at verse 7. Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delighteth to honor, let the royal apparel be brought, which the king is accustomed to wear and the horse that the king rideth upon, and the crown royal which is set upon his head. And let this apparel and horse be delivered to the hand of one of the king's most noble princes, that they may array the man whom the king delighteth to honor, and bring him on horseback through the street of the city, and proclaim before him, Thus shall it be done for the man whom the king delighteth to honor." Now, what do you suppose that he had in mind at this particular point? Well, Haman actually was plotting to get the throne of the Media persian Empire. And he intended to usurp the throne. And I suppose that he intended to destroy the king also. He's a bloodthirsty individual, by the way. And so what he's asking, he thinks he'll be the one that will be honored. Therefore, let the crown be put on the head of this man, the royal apparel put on him, and the horse the king rides. In other words, let the people get accustomed to the man that the king wants to honor. Let the people get accustomed to see him riding through the streets as a king. In other words... He's revealing his hand here in a very subtle way, however, but it's his intention, obviously now, to try to overthrow the king. Apparently, I think that Ahasuerus saw the plot now that's in Haman's mind. Verse 10, Then the king said to Haman, Make haste and take the apparel and the horse, as thou hast said, and do even so to Mordecai the Jew, who sitteth at the king's gate. Let nothing fail of all that thou hast spoken. 
Now, you could never have asked anything of this man, Haman, to do that to him would have been more displeasing, more ignominious, more distasteful, more hateful than to have to put the royal garments and the royal crown on Mordecai and put him on the horse of the king and lead him through the streets and make the announcement that this is the man that the king delights to honor. Well, this man, Haman, is really a miserable individual. And apparently the king, Xerxes, begins to see that there's a plot here on the part of this man. But, of course, he does nothing about it because we are told here, then took Haman the apparel and the horse and arrayed Mordecai and brought him on horseback through the street of the city and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done for the man whom the king delighteth to honor. And instead of doing this for Mordecai, he intended to hang him on the gallows. Now, and Mordecai came again to the king's gate. But Haman hastened to his house mourning and having his head covered. My, this was humiliation to him. And now notice what happens. And Haman told Zeresh, his wife, and all his friends, everything that had befallen him, then said his wise men and Zeresh, his wife, unto him, If Mordecai is of the seed of the Jews, before whom thou hast begun to fall, thou shalt not prevail against him, but shall surely fall before him. She was a nice little wife, was she not? She's the one suggested that the gallows be built. Now she's saying to him, I told you so, you're beginning to fall. And she has no word of comfort for him at all. Now, verse 14, And while they were yet talking with him, came the king's chamberlains and hastened to bring Haman unto the banquet that Esther prepared. He's going to be late for the dinner that he'd been looking forward to. And the events now are happening so thick and so fast that he can't keep up with them. Things are beginning to happen to his disadvantage. And it is as it were, he has no control over them. And by the way, he doesn't have any control over them. You know why? Because at that very moment, God is overruling all of this. And God is seeing to it that his plot does not succeed. Now we come to chapter 7. And I have labeled chapter 7, the man who came to dinner but died on the gallows. And I want to tell you, he got a necktie party at the end of the dinner and a kind of a party he wasn't looking for by any means. But he goes to this dinner now with mingled feelings. He's thrilled that the queen has invited him. But the way things have worked out, that he's had to honor this man Mordecai. And I'm of the opinion at this moment, he doesn't quite understand why that he is being honored. That is why Mordecai was being honored and why he was bypassed. But anyway, he's now going to the dinner. Chapter 7, verse 1. The man who came to dinner but died on the gallows. And he didn't die of indigestion, by the way. He's going to be hanged. Now notice what happens. So the king and Haman came to banquet with Esther, the queen. And the king said again unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther? 
and it shall be granted thee. And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to the half of the kingdom. Now, the very interesting thing here is that this queen, again, is nervous. I think that she was nervous and probably rightly so. What in the world can she do now when these two men are present? There's been a decree against her people. It would touch her. Now, how is she going to approach a request? Because she apparently was not aware of what had taken place, that Mordecai had been honored. All she knows is that both men have come, and I imagine both of them are in a rather state of excitement because of the events that have taken place, which she's totally unaware of. But this man now, the king, he renews his overture to the queen. He says to her, Queen Esther, you feel very comfortable now, and do not hesitate to make any request that you want to make of me. I will give you up to half of the kingdom. And that meant she'd have all of it, because, see, she's the queen, half of it's hers. So he's just turning the whole thing over to her, and he's saying to her, You just ask what you want to, Queen Esther, and it'll be yours. Now, verse 3. Then Esther the queen answered and said, If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. Now, she said, My request and my petition is this. I want you to spare my life and my people. Well, the king must have been alarmed. And if he was alarmed, well, this man Haman, it was a three alarm for him. He never knew that the queen was a member of the nation Israel, that she was an Israelite. And you can be sure of one thing, that he's rather excited about what's taking place. Now, she says here, For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. Now, if we'd been sold for male and female slaves, I had helped my tongue, although the enemy could not compensate for the king's damage. Now, she said, if we'd been sold into slavery, I would have kept quiet, although it would have been to the disadvantage of the king that it happened. But I would have kept quiet. But we've actually been betrayed, and we're to be destroyed as a people. And so the thing that has happened now, why the king, he's absolutely amazed. Who is it that would dare attempt to destroy the queen? And who would dare to attempt to destroy her people? And she says here something that, I want to tell you, was as shocking a statement as these two men ever expected to hear. We've been sold. My people have been sold to be destroyed and to be slain and to perish, and I'm included among them. We're going to be slain, not just sold into slavery. Now notice what happens. Then the king Ahasuerus said unto Esther the queen, Who is he, and where is he? Who would presume in his heart to do so? Now, this man Xerxes had never taken the trouble to inquire 
about who the people were that Haman wanted to destroy. And at this moment, he hasn't put two and two together. He does not really know who's attempting to destroy her people and to destroy her. He just can't believe that there'd be anybody that would attempt such a thing like this. It's just unheard of. And this man just hadn't inquired because human life to him was cheap. The fact that thousands and thousands of men had perished in that campaign against Europe had not disturbed him at all. He's actually asking a question that he doesn't have the answer for. Who is he? And where is he would presume to do so in his heart? Who would dare do this? And I'm of the opinion that at this moment, it hasn't dawned on Haman fully what has really taken place. He did not know when he got that decree through to slay the nation Israel that Esther was the queen and that she was a Jewish. He did not know that. He was totally unaware of this. You see now that God has been moving back of the scenes. Standeth God in the shadows, keeping watch over his own. He's made it very clear, the Lord has, that no weapon that was formed against them. And after all, God has already said, I'll bless them that bless thee, and I'll curse them that curseth thee. Now, if you wanted to go down through history, you would find something that'd be quite interesting indeed. And I haven't taken the time here to go into that at all. Probably I should have, but I haven't attempted to take the nations of the world that have practiced anti-Semitism and to take a good look at them and see what happened to them. During the Spanish Inquisition, actually, Spain was the great nation of the world at that time. This country, this Western Hemisphere, was discovered by a man by the name of Columbus. He was an Italian, but he was sailing under a Spanish flag. And he landed down in some of the islands in the West Indies, and he put up the Spanish flag. He claimed it for the Queen of Spain. Now, Spain was the great nation at that particular time. But what happened? Well, at the time of the Spanish Armada that was anchored off the coast of England, actually ready to destroy Great Britain. But a storm came up and destroyed that fleet. Then again, you have the hand of God, my friend, that's moving. And the hand of God that's been moving, I tell you, down through the history of this world. And Spain became a second-rate, even a third-rate nation. Why? God just makes good. And he was moving, actually, by his providence. And God moves that way. And so here, God's moving definitely in this scene now. And so the king asked this question, Who would presume to do such a thing? And Esther said, this is verse 6, the adversary and enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. He had no answer for that. He's dumbfounded to find out that Esther is a Jewish. He just didn't dream that could be true. And he had a decree to have him put to death. And here's the queen. And she's begged for a lie. Well, the king is puzzled. In fact, the matter is, he's got to think this thing through. 
because this man Haman was his trusted advisor. He was his prime minister. Now notice what happens. And the king, arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, went into the palace garden. Why did he do that? He went in there to think this thing through. He said, I've got to get this thing straight in my mind. Why, I can't believe that Haman would do such a thing as this. But apparently he's done it. He believed his queen. And here's my queen pleading and begging for her life before me. And because of Haman. Well, he has to cool off just a little and think the thing through. And the king arising from the banquet of wine in his wrath, he went into the palace garden. Now he wants to think clearly about it. And Haman stood up to make request for his life to Esther. And this man, who was so glib in asking that others be put to death, he now becomes just like a slave. He grovels at the feet of the queen. In fact, the matter is, he's mad. This man is mad with fear. For what does he do? Haman stood up to make requests for his life to Esther the queen, for he saw there was evil determined against him by the king. He saw that the king wasn't going to let this thing pass. He was going to do something. And what does this man Haman do? Well, he gets down on his knees to plead for his life in a craven way, and he begins to paw at the queen. She was reclining, you see, on the couch there. That's the way they ate in that day, and all of them had been reclining. And now this man, he begins now to paw at the queen. He's mad. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Now notice verse 8, "...then the king returned out of the palace garden into the place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the couch where Esther was." He's begging for his life, and she's afraid of him. You can be sure of that. And when the king sees that, then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? What in the world is this man trying to do? There, just pawing at my queen. And you just didn't do that, friends. He's mad. This man, Haman, is just mad at this time. He's lost his mind. As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face. You see, there were these eunuchs standing around. They haven't moved. The queen hasn't called for any help yet. She's frightened, and she's filled with where When the king comes in and sees that, he doesn't have to say anything than what he does say. Why, he says, what is this man thinking of? These eunuchs, great big fellows, they step up, and they take this man, Haman, and now he's being arrested. What's going to happen to him? Well, we read verse 9. And Harbona, one of the chamberlains in attendance upon the king, said, Behold also the gallus, fifty cubits high, which Haman had made for Mordecai, who had spoken good for the king, standeth in the house of Haman. Then said the king, Hang him on it. You see, God says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Always happens that way. Jacob, if he were here, would tell us that that's what happened to him. Even Paul the apostle, he had given the word at the stoning of Stephen. And when he's way up yonder in the Galatian country, they lead him out of town and stone him and leave him for dead because he was dead. Why? Because you just can't mock God. God's not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, friend, I don't care what it is, you'll reap. And then 
There is a law of God that operates. Notice what happened. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. Let me read now in closing Psalm 37, verses 35 and 36. Listen to the psalmist. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. That's the interesting thing. Little man, you can have your day. You can be a villain if you want to. (laughs) And you can run against God's plan and purpose for you. But you won't defeat God because you're going to pass off the stage. That's what happened to this man. But we're not through with the book. So until next time, may the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. Well, we're not done with this intriguing story. Meet me next time as the plot unfolds. And until then, visit ttb.org to check out the Bible study resources that we've got available for free. Or you can call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE with questions. God bless you today as you walk with Him in His Word. Jesus made it all, all to be my home. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Through the Bible exists to take God's whole word to the whole world. And we invite you to stand with us with your faithful prayer and financial support. Where will God's Word go today?